Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmel. I'm my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? I'm great. You know, we we have a short show today because of the Stampeders mm -hmm. games. So yep. I'm looking forward to, to to hearing about the game and how that turns out. Go Stamps, go! Um, I also am interested to hear about. You know, we've we've got one thing that's very uh, different in our country versus, let's say, the states yep. or other countries right now is the amount of immigration coming in. This federal administration in Canada has said, you know, we are we are focused on bringing immigration in. And there's there's you know, there's a certain mindset when you when you talk about immigration and what many Canadians don't know is the amount of high net worth and ultra high net worth immigrant immigrants coming to this country. Yeah, who's coming into the country, right? It is you're right. So often the headlines are dominated by something that isn't the high net worth, the high educated, the people ready to work and create revenue and build families here, right? Yeah, so let's let's get not only about the the demographics, but let's get into, you know, what what's the 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 structure of these individuals and families yeah. that are coming here that are that are so-called high net worth and we've got a great guest on the show for that. Yeah, uh, Chris Gandhi is joining us. He's a partner, family office leader of KPMG LLP. Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here, guys. All right. Well, uh, you heard the, the the setup here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about the uh, about immigration and maybe why the number of high net worth immigrants um, are coming to Canada that we're seeing. Give us some because there's been some research out recently. Yeah, there was a report that just came out from Henley and Partners. And for context, Henley and Partners is sort of a global mobility firm that helps high net worth individuals acquire citizenship or residency in other countries. So um, certainly the right firm equipped to do this research. Um, and their 2023 report shows that Canada is attracting a significant number of high net worth individuals or families. And their definition of high net worth is essentially any individual or family that has in U.S. dollars, a million or more in investable assets. So you could be at a million, you could be at 10, 50, whatever the number is. Um, in 2022, the projection was that we'll gain a net thousand. We surpassed that, we hit 1,200. And the 2023 projection is 1,600 net gain by Canada. So that is fairly significant. So why is that? Why are they picking Canada when you can go anywhere around the world? We're hearing of places that have lower tax rates and other benefits and so forth that are out there. Why are they choosing Canada? Yeah, I mean, that is a million dollar question. And maybe you've just hit the nail on the head. Tax rates matter, but maybe they're not be all end all. Um, I think there's a few things. I mean, um, Faisal, we hit 40 million in population earlier this month. And I believe the numbers are stating that in the last 12 months or last year, um, there was the net immigration to Canada was a million. So I think, first of all, we're just letting in more people. So naturally, a subset of them is going to be the wealthy, the wealthy, right? So I think part of it's just that. The second thing is, if you look at wealth and wealth trends around the world, what people really want are a place where their money and assets are safe and a place where they can still educate their kids, raise their families and run a business. And maybe there is no better place in the world than Canada. We have a safe political system, clean water, clean air, good education system, healthcare, and more importantly, access to the North American U.S. market, even if you're based in Canada. So I think it is a whole bunch of things together that make Canada an attractive place. Yeah, definitely. It's why a lot of people come here and a lot of people stay here as That's well, because right. they That's have right. choice of leaving this country. Uh, when we look at this, Chris, when we look at um, the this high net worth uh, families coming to Canada, 
Are they entrepreneurs? Are they uh, high-skilled uh, employees? Are they professionals? What's the what's the makeup of the of these high net worth individuals? Yeah, another great question. The report unfortunately just gives us a high level and it doesn't give us a breakdown. But I'd say the answer is actually all of the above. Um, one thing that the report does touch on is that one of the main reasons, an, or an additional reason why these individuals and families are choosing Canada, is because of our entrepreneur business visa program that is attracting exactly what you said, our folks that our entrepreneurs have businesses abroad and they want to set up a business in Canada. So this is something that's been in place since 2015. And in fact, the report does a very good job and says, if you look at the top 10 countries in the world that are attracting wealth and wealthy families, nine out of 10 have a program similar to Canada. So whatever the federal government is doing to attract these uh, business-minded families is working and they're certainly a subset of uh, the high net worth individuals moving to Canada. So Chris, we know that immigration is a priority for the federal government right now. <clears throat> Population growth is an important piece of growing an economy. All of those things are connected and it's, we need to attract people that have skills, education and money, right, in order to continue to grow the economy. Um, as we look out, uh, Alberta is projected to get um, uh, population expected to grow. Now, some of that's just migration from different provinces. Some of that will be immigration. But does the, does the report speak to what Alberta can expect uh, from attracting some of these new immigrants and the uh, and the high net worth category? Yeah, you know, there's uh, this sort of a subset focuses on Canada, and there are some interesting Canadian trends that also show up. So, part of what the report does is it looks at not just nations, but it also looks at the top. 97, and I don't know why it's 97, not 100, top 97 um, sort of wealth concentrations in the world by cities. Um, not surprisingly, Toronto tops Canada. It was 14th last year, 12th this year. Vancouver is up there, uh, 29th, moved up from 36th. Montreal's there, but I think the dark horse is Calgary. We were 81st out of 97, and we have now bumped up to 55 out of 97, and that's an incredible jump. And I think it speaks to a bunch of things. Um, obviously, net migration into this province because of our resilient economy. The oil and gas sector has had a recovery. That plays a part in it. And I think the pivot that our province is making towards sort of new and emerging industries and the energy transition, I think all of that plays to our strengths. Chris, when, when you deal with high net worth uh, fams <laughs> that are newly arrived to the country, to the city, um, there's a cultural change, and one part of the cultural change is the, the view of retirement or transitioning to retirement. Um, if you've been in the Canadian system for a long time, you kind of get the idea of let's retire at a certain age, let's you know divest of our assets and start to live off our savings. Is that still the same type of, of thought process with these newly arrived high net worth Canadians, or is there a shift happening and changing that you're, that you're noticing? Yeah, Faisal, I think uh, people that leave behind roots and are setting up new roots in Canada, um, I think they are probably not looking to just come here and retire. It's sort of not a sunny beach destination. That's not why they're coming to Canada. So I think they're coming here um, and they actually may be working even harder because they want to set up a new life for themselves and their families. So I think, no, retirement is not on the horizon for them. They want to work hard and make a good living. And that's, that's going to be the interesting part, Dave. When you look at um, this de different demographic coming to the country, 
Uh, it's not a, I'm coming here to slow down. I'm right. actually coming here to speed up and right. to grow. And right. so that that's a very different shift. That will change the demographic numbers of people retiring in the, in the local markets as well as the nation. For sure. Chris, was there anything, sort of a minute or less, uh, was there anything in the report that really caught your interest that you wanted to shed some light on that you found you know, stood out to you? Yeah, you know, uh, one interesting uh, data aspect is that when, again, the report looks globally at countries and saying where are high net worth families growing the most. And of course, you can expect China, India, where there's so much economic growth and the base effects where they start off with a small number, you can expect a larger growth in wealth there. But from the developed countries, Canada's top four. It's only Australia and Canada up there. So it's China, India, Australia, Canada, and some sort of an order. So I think that bodes really well for our country and our future. And I think over the next decade, we expect uh, the aggregate high net worth uh, individuals and families in Canada to grow by 35%. So a straggling number, great for the economy, great for creating new jobs and wealth in our country. Chris, I want to thank you for that. Uh, help us understand what uh, what the future looks like for us and, and the job I think we're doing as a country, right, in attracting educated, skilled, high net worth families from around the globe. Chris, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, guys. I've been joined by Chris Gandu, partner, family office leader of KPMG LLP. You know, Faisal, we, we've had some interesting conversations. Market volatility spiked up again this week. Uh, we can talk about some of the reasons for that, but it ends, you know, that, that kind of an environment always ends in fear, yeah. uncertainty for people. We have the opportunity where people reach out to us for a second opinion, understanding of what's happening in their portfolio, kind of get an idea of where they, what our thoughts are about their potential uh, retirement and their income. There's a sense of fear yeah. out there. And, and with the few people that I was chatting with giving second opinions uh, this week, it was about, you know, I haven't seen the performance I'd like to over the last couple of years. Uh, the markets and the bond market and so forth really take a, taken a big uh, change to what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, if you look at major indexes, TSX, for example, is what a lot of these individuals were quoting hasn't made money really over the last uh, couple of years. So the fear of I'm going to not be able to reach my retirement goals and my right. lifestyle, I'll have to change my lifestyle or I'll run out of money are the big concerns that are coming my way. So it's it's been a bit of a trend this week. And that's why I wanted to bring it up as a, a bit of an attention. No, I, and I think we should uh, we should talk about it. Um, you know, and it, the uncertainty, it's the uncertainty about the fear. And the problem is you get these bouts of uncertainty in the short term. The question is, when we get dragged into that short-term period of time, okay, um, is that short-term period gonna last forever? Yeah. And I, it's, it's a scary time right now, but it doesn't matter if it's a good time, right? The one thing we know is that it doesn't, nothing lasts forever, whether it's good or bad. It's going over a 35 year period, you're gonna have a bunch of different cycles. Correct. Right, and I think this is what's important uh, and it's it's a tricky conversation because you can't necessarily overcome the emotional concern people have, right? When you're in that sort of that, that fear spot with facts and long-term data and so on and so forth. That doesn't really break the cycle, yeah. right? So it's an interesting conversation, uh, which often leads me back to the conversation around structure and discipline, right? So if you accept that things aren't gonna last forever and not everybody does, right, when we're trapped in that, but if you accept that, then um, one of the things that you can do to protect yourself is just don't be everything in one 
bucket in one basket, right? So not everything is bad all the time. So one bucket, one basket, one asset class, right. one opportunity. Right. And that's that's challenging. So here, here's, <clears throat> so the individual who came to me showed me their portfolio. Um, they're flat to slightly negative over the last two years. And they're, they're concerned and, yeah. and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, they go, well, what, what's, what, what would you do? What would you do? And, and, I, and I said, well, the superpowers for uh, a, a happy and financially healthy retirement is structure and discipline. Yes. And they look at me going, what the hell are you talking about? What is that? Um, and so let's break down a couple things. And I want to break it down in three. There's, there's structure, then there's the discipline to that structure, and then there's the probability of success. Okay. So let's, let's start off with structure, <clears throat> yeah. what you mean by that, and then let's talk about discipline next. Yeah, okay, so, so I, go back to, um, I go back to this notion that uh, don't, don't make big bets on everything. Like when you get into retirement, how you get wealthy is you make big bets, you have concentration. How you stay wealthy and you protect yourself or meet different objectives and goals is you have to, you have to break your wealth apart and have different pieces doing different things. Yeah. Right? So the structure that we talk about in retirement, um, let's just talk about two of them, is making sure that you've got some of your assets dedicated towards the goal of producing um, predictable and sustainable income. Right, And predictable and sustainable income doesn't come from things like risk assets, stocks, which are, which are going up and down and all over the place. Yeah. Right, So the strategy for a, a portion of the assets should be, if, if a family needs it, right, to secure some form of income to support their lifestyle. Correct. That, that's very different. Other assets can be focused on things like longer-term growth and overcoming inflation and so on and so forth. So that's just a simple example of, of what structure means. It means if you have multiple goals, then just make sure you're, you're looking at your all of the assets you have, not just about stocks and bonds, but all the assets you have, and, and what are they designed to do? And make sure it matches the objective. Right? Okay, so multiple goals, <clears throat> multiple buckets to match those goals. Right. Then comes the discipline to it. Right. And so what, what do you mean when you say stay disciplined in what you're doing? So, um, so now depending on, on what the goal is in an area, if it's, if it's income, okay? Make sure if you accept uh, uh, our position, what I feel is important, uh, you wanna make sure your income is secure, okay? What you don't want is a lot of volatility. What you don't want okay, are risk assets in there. So uh, as an example, putting dividend paying stocks for me into an income bucket doesn't make sense. Because there's, there's a lot of volatility and risk. There's volatility in the underlying stock price. There's also the ability for a, a board of directors to cut that dividend and shut my income down. And more important, I think, that, that's, those are the, the, that, that could happen, that might not happen. Sure. There's a debate about yes. that. The, the big one is you're stuck on a fixed income. You're stuck on a fixed payment. So let's say you have a million dollars in this income bucket. Yeah. It's 4% dividend of these stocks. You're on 40,000. If you need an additional $1,000 for whatever reason, right. where are you going to get it from? Here's what happens. People start selling shares right. and then the dividends start to go lower. So then the probability of success right. of making that happen has just dropped enormously. Right. So, so maintain a discipline based on the goal. And then within that, within that, that bucket, if you will, as we call them, then there's another discipline. Okay. So in an income bucket for us, what we believe is that you need to keep risk assets out of that. So maintain that discipline. But in growth, you need time. Okay time and risk assets 
to overcome the effects of inflation. Forget about high inflation periods. I'm just talking about inflation in general over long periods of time. Yeah. Now, within that, within that bucket, if you will, where you've got risk assets, now you have to have a discipline about how much risk do you want to take on, right? Because we're good at chasing return. People are good at chasing returns. We're not very good, other than conceptually, understanding that there's a relationship between return and risk. And, and this is where I go with the probability of success. <clears throat> Let's say you have a 25-year time horizon in your retirement. Yeah. There's a certain portion of money that you'll be spending 25 years from now. Right. There's a certain portion of your money you'll be spending 20 years from now, 15 years from now, 10 years from now, and every point in between. Yes. And so if it's if 25 years ago, if you had money that you wanted to invest, the generally speaking, the best place to invest is the stock market. Longer term, yes. Longer term growth. Go to bed, wake up 25 years later, it's going to be a lot more than when you invest it. Right. If you're just in a well-diversified stock portfolio. Yeah. Now, what people try to do is they focus on the markets and, and, it just and you have to take the volatility of that market. When you have professional managers like us, our job is to manage the volatility within those markets. Right. Not manage the markets. Right. And that's when you put the two together, the structure and discipline within each bucket gives you a high probability of success, gives you that output that you're looking for, and, the, and eliminates that, that concern of, will I run out of money? Will I change my lifestyle? All those things. This is the, the key piece, that people think retirement is a destination and not a long-term journey. Right. You've got money that you need for more than one year, three years, five years, 10 years. You need money for throughout your lifetime. And go to the age 90 or 95, and that'll give you my, a bit of a mindset shift on how you should be invested, and the management staff should take care of that going forward. Yeah, and then, and then think about the discipline and the structure a little bit beyond that. So we've talked about those two things, but what about you know, families that have money that they're never going to need. Mm -hmm. What do we do from a strategy for that, right? I'm not spending it in 10, 20, or 30 years. It's gonna be transitioned to the next generation or multiple generations. Now there's another layer of strategy you have to build in there, structure and discipline, right? So it just, it's layers upon layers of strategy that you build to accomplish all those different things. Strategy, structure, discipline, and layers, all of that combined. We're gonna talk about that at our upcoming seminar on Tuesday, July 25th at the Hamptons Golf Course. You do need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, so on behalf of Faisal and myself, uh, we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming seminar for education purposes. But if there's any of the topics that we've covered, you can get that by going to morethanmoneyradio.com or registering for our podcast. We'll deliver it to you every single week. I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.